This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Zoe, the world's first personal voice companion, enabling Star Trek combadge-like interaction with Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, smart objects, and much, much more. To find out about Zoe, visit zoe.me slash trekfm. That's x-o-w-i dot m-e slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. L. Gray, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm about to head to Transporter Room 3 and join my co-hosts, Transporter Chief Daniel Prue and Lieutenant Philip Gilfus. Daniel Philip, are you ready to welcome our first guest onto Earl Grey? Well, Transporter Room 3 is my favorite Transporter Room, so I think that's appropriate. Oh, it's very appropriate. Yeah, I think it's best. I mean, I was in Transporter Room 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, and nothing ever goes on there. I went to the cargo transporter, so I'm ready to go down to Transporter Room 3 where the action always is. That's always where the action is. Well, welcome aboard to our podcast, Houston. <clears throat> hello, hello. I, I'm sitting in a hotel room in a town in in Georgia. I think it's Kingston, Georgia, and this is where their shooting Star Trek continues. Oh, oh, that's right. I did hear that your script was chosen for the second Star Trek's continues episode. Yeah, well, <clears throat> it wasn't really chosen. It was kind of like. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll just tell this briefly. I uh, got a phone call a bunch of months ago from a man named Vic Mignogna, who is uh, a pretty famous voiceover actor. He did the voice of uh, uh, Elric, something Elric on Full Metal Alchemist. Fan, fan girls or fanboys would kill me for not remembering the name, but uh, in fact, Vic often slaps me for not remembering. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he told me about this amazing set that he had and that the Farragut people did and they were expanding it and all this stuff and Vic and I became friends and uh, about four or five months ago he said how quickly can you do a script and I said well you know I'm a writer so I mean I, I'm pretty fast uh, and so he asked me if I had any uh, original series ideas and I came up with this thing and uh, I wrote a script rather quickly I, I think I wrote two or three drafts of it and Comic-Con happened in San Diego and all my stuff happened and I didn't have time to do a, a rewrite from there. And so, uh, I handed Vic my script and I said, look, I, you know, I trust you, you know, Pilgrim of Eternity looked, uh, better than I've ever seen any fan film ever, period. Uh, so I totally trust you and, you know, do all this stuff. And so I had a couple of, uh, I've got, actually got this week, uh, off and I'm here. I can't say anything else. Unfortunately, he didn't allow me to say. I did. I can tell you, I ran into uh, Larry Nimichek. Oh, we've had. Uh, we're we're interested in getting Larry on and beaming him aboard. He's a, he's a good friend of the network. He's a great great person. He's on our board of directors of New Starship, and he's just a sweet person. And he's actually the guy who got me in touch with several people uh, early early on because. He's the one I came to, and I said, look, I got the bridge of the Enterprise. What do I do now? <laughs> so, Typical problem. 
typical yeah. problem. I can't tell you how many times I've had that. I've said that to someone. So I'm yeah, glad I, to know I'm not the only one out there. I can't tell you how many times I've come up to girls and said, hey, guess what? I got this van. <laughs> it's like the bridge of the Enterprise. And how many times that doesn't work? Yeah, and how many times that doesn't so work? Try to go to warp speed. Oh, you're talking to the wrong girls then. But, you know, but that's why I'm here in the middle of Georgia. And uh, I'm here for about three days. And then I'm back to California uh, to do the the show Comic Kazi, Stan Lee's uh, comp, comic convention. And we're bringing the bridge to That's right. That's happening this weekend. Yep. Yep. It's November 1st through 3rd. And we're going to bring the uh, everything we had at Vegas, which is the the Warps tactical console, uh, all the chairs, all the, all the computers, and all the middle, you know, the entire middle section. And, uh, but the difference is we've totally redone the Riker and Troy chairs to make it look dead on perfection to the, uh, second season on, because before they were, the chairs we had were from Vegas and they just quite frankly, weren't accurate. They were the wrong material and the, the slit in the back wasn't the right size and all the stuff. So we uh, I went to a professional repulsor, the same guy who did our captain's dinner, and it just, it it looks unbelievable. Uh, it's so dynamite, uh, and it's the first time anyone's gotten a chance to sit in them, uh, other than the uh, cast of Star Trek uh, Renegades used it for a few days. Well, with a screen-accurate chair, you'll be able to perform the Riker maneuver, you know, yeah. with style. Right. Yeah, I don't know my legs are long enough. He's a pretty tall cat. <laughs> that's right i know that star trek renegades is i believe finished shooting at this point and just another great use of the enterprise d bridge in a fan film is this probably the first fan film to use the bridge at least in its iteration it yeah because we don't uh have the the whole bridge finished yet so all we had were the chairs and the uh the computers totally restored because the rest of it here's the thing that most people don't understand. Uh, they say, how, you know, are you finished with the bridge yet? Are you finished with the bridge? It's not that simple. Um, these, these chairs and these computers, we were able to do by piecemeal. I mean, we could, you know, work on a little here, work on a little there, and then it was done, and that was it. The rest of the bridge, it all fits together like a very expensive, very heavy and dangerous jigsaw puzzle. And what I mean by that, you're talking about that huge ceiling. And that ceiling by itself is 45 feet long and 25 feet wide. And something has to hold that up. And then, you know, it's, and it's all very heavy. It's a few tons. I mean, when you get the whole bridge together with those fiberglass walls and all that stuff and the, the curved stuff and all that, that's a, it's a huge, expensive, heavy bridge that cost $600,000 back in the 90s. So, you know, this is not, okay, we'll just wing it. And, you know, once we do that, we've got to do it all at the same time or it just, you know, uh, it won't work. Uh, it's one piece has to hold the other and it's got to have this big structure to, to hold it up. And it's, just, it's very scary. I mean, if you don't do it right, you'd kill people, um, including myself. And I don't really want to die right now. So, um, you know, it, that's, that's where we can't just have, a bunch of fans come in and hey, come on, dude, let's go. <laughs> this is this is heavy duty stuff. You're basically um, a construction zone until it's ready. Yeah. Oh man, that's why nobody's ever built 
the the true TNG bridge for fan film. That's why it's it's massive and it's huge. They've done parts of it. They've seen. I've seen some darn good replicas. There was one in Germany. There was, you know, I've, I've seen some stuff. But no, there's. It, it's just too massive. That's why everybody does the original series because it's a lot easier to do, and there's no ceiling. That's true. Most of the ceiling is just the open hole instead of oh, we can look up and see everything. The the original bridge was fully enclosed. Right. Right. So it's. We need right now. We're at the point where we need more money to do it. But it's. I I said this numerous times. This is not the point to ask fans for money. The fans have already given money. The fans continue to support us by going to our website and you know giving us a twenty dollar donation for a shirt or whatever, uh, or you know a bridge plaque for a hundred bucks or whatever it happens to be. But this has to be the real heavyweight corporations and all that stuff because we're nonprofit now. So this would be for the educational side of things for when we finally have our bridge finished, it will be an educational uh, museum. I mean, it will actually teach real science through science fiction. So now we can go to Microsoft and Apple and all these other big corporations and tell them, Hey, you know, this, this is reasonable. Now this is not, uh, some dreamland thing, this is actually going to happen. And isn't that really going to open the bridge to, really, that's Gene's vision for Star Trek, is to is to be yeah. about science and about exploration and all these qualities of mankind that are highlighted so well in this series. Larry Nemechek told me about something that happened in the early 90s that Gene Roddenberry was a part of, and it was his idea, apparently. And it was called Federation Science, and I believe, I, I can't remember which museum started it, Oregon or something like that, but it's a science museum, and it toured around, and it was early 90s technology, so they could only do so much. There was no such thing as touchscreen computers and all the rest, but it did teach kids about real science through science fiction. And from everything I've read and seen, I saw it in a couple of old magazines from the, like, 92 or something. And it was amazing, and it, I, I think of it in terms of why reinvent the wheel, but the reason after like three years, it just stopped, it's because the studios thought, okay, how is this making us money? And Gene had already died by that point, so it just kind of dissolved. Now, the reason I get along so well with Gene's son, Eugene, or Rod, as he's known as, <clears throat> he's... Let's face it, he's not hurting for, for cash, but what he's done with his life is he's, he's very influenced by the oceans of America and, and the world, and he also, uh, not just the underwater space, but uh, humanity, and uh, he, he really has taken the best of that and cares about education and cares about uh, helping people, and that's wonderful. I mean, he's a great guy, and he and I got totally along in that in that way. Even though you know, I uh, I'm like poor, uh, like a, a church mouse uh, compared to him. But we both believe that this is the right way to go with what I have, and and uh, that's the next one of the next steps that, that I'm working on is uh, working with him because he's just a great guy, and he. Uh, he believes in what I'm trying to do. 
Well, and that seems to be the greatest part of this story is that, I mean, obviously a project of this undertaking could not be done alone. And the, it seems like the outpouring of support, whether it be financial support or support from the actual Trek community, the actors, the producers, the writers, it, it seems almost overwhelming how everyone is just rallied around this cause because it, this cause does embody Star Trek in, in reaching out to people, in teaching people and in preserving a piece of our pop culture history. It's unheard of. It's really, this is an enigma. This whole project is a complete enigma. I've talked to museums. I've talked to nonprofits. I've talked to all the tops of the tops. And I said, look, I'm new to this. I, I'm a writer. I come from that, you know, the Hollywood land background, not nonprofits, not museums. And everything's just happened so easily for this project. Is this normal? And they all said, no, it's not. And they slammed the door in my face and <laughs> cursed it. <laughs> no, but, um, then you put your face down, it, the Charlie Brown look. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I got a rock. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, um, I, we were passed for a nonprofit 501c3 in less than two months. The California board passed us in five days. Uh, just the, the support from the media was just, it spread like wildfire when we first did this uh, from everything as huge as NBC, ABC, CBS, all this, Fox even, um, Engadget, Blaster, all that stuff. You know, all the media has done stuff about us. As far as I know, I think we've been represented in, by pretty much everything except for possibly CNN and BBC, but I think everything else has done, you know, and it's incredible. It's so the next step to all this is going to just blow people's minds. And I can give you hints to it. I can't tell you exactly what it is yet because it could blow the deal to be very honest, but no, we wouldn't um, yeah, but it's, it's something very awesome. It's, it's something that everybody has wanted for a very long time, but for some reason, and I don't know the reason it, it's, it's just not happened before, but it's the same, and it goes beyond the Trek community. It goes through the entire Hollywood community as well as uh, the technology community and sci-fi community and uh, a whole lot of corporations, too. Are you going to get your own working data? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Brent Spiner actually really does support us. Um, he... Uh, He's been, um, he was like one of the first ones. And he said to me something that no actor's ever said to me in my life. Uh, he said, what can I do for you? <laughs> <laughs> that blew, I, I, I was speechless. I said, oh, blah, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit in my chair. Well, I want to open this part up to my two co-hosts uh, not, and not hug all the questions for this interview. But uh, Philip, did you have any salient points for our guest? Oh, probably not. But um, I, I mean, I did want to say when I when I lived in the uh, Mojave Valley or in the Mojave Desert in, in California, I had the the pleasure um, of living semi close to Vegas and got to go to the experience when it was still there and uh, that was got so to experience. Awesome. Um, yeah, the the TNG bridge. I mean, the Voyager part too, but the TNG bridge that they had there. 
Um, even when it was just, that was the only, you know, thing there. And then when the Voyager one came to as well, so I probably went there, I don't know, three or four times, got the whole picture in the captain's chair and all that. So, I mean, the, to the, you know, I'm not, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but you know, people who probably go to your bridge and then, you know, just being on the TNG bridge, obviously, you know, huge, huge experience, but you know, it's not small, obviously, like you said, um, with right. with you know, in comparison to the TOS bridge, which which isn't which is not small either, but maybe it's just a little more compact in that sort of circle or oval shape. Um, so I mean, right, it's round. You, you know, yeah. one of the, the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the the uh, the criticisms, whether it's a friendly criticism or not, about uh, the next generation, next next generation bridge is you know the whole uh you know hotel in space conference room in space or whatever you know you know i'm sure it took you like yeah. several hours getting the carpet samples right and all that but i mean how how is i mean that is just the the you know how do how do you begin a project like that i mean was it just like you know we'll start here and work our way out or you know just everything at once or you know how do you start on something that's just that big well the bridge was about I'd say about 90% there. Uh, what wasn't there was the floor, because when it was used, because it was built in the late 90s, I'm sure you, you know the story on our video on newstarship.com, but uh, it, you know, we found the, I found the bridge, actually. I hate to say wee, 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 you know, but no, I got turned French all of a sudden. No, uh, I, I, I was, a friend of mine told me about the set sitting outside and I went to this warehouse and honest to God, there was the entire next gen bridge just sitting out like a pile of crap, uh, had having been rained on for five years outside, you know, just sitting out in the parking lot. And that happens a lot in Hollywood. You see a lot of, gosh, you know, I've been to pay the bills recently. I, I've been working at universal and I've been walking, uh, down the thing, you see all these classic sets and props and all this stuff just sitting outside, you know, just uh, in the rain, whatever. I mean, it never rains in California, right? But still, um, the sun damage and all the rest. And there is the captain's chair with a big rip through the back of it. You know, just horrible stuff. And it's, um, no matter what you say about a set, that's Star Trek. That's there are too many fans. It's like the DeLorean or the Batmobile or anything else car-wise that you'd find just sitting outside. Any huge, or the time machine, you know, from H.G. Wells. Anything you'd see like that that's recognizable. Uh, how could that happen? And so I had 90% of it. Uh, the f uh, I just had to work out, okay. Uh, oh, and also I, I got to say, too, that Doug Drexler... Uh, was hugely supportive, and he found blueprints that he'd saved from the late, uh, the early 90s that he'd found in a dumpster at Paramount. Um, and like the art department said, yeah, we're throwing this stuff out. You want some of it? And he said, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Load the van up, boys. And yeah, and the rest of it, like, paint color schemes and floor either we go through pictures or in some cases Herman Zimmerman had some of the uh, paint color schemes and uh, if you go on our Facebook page uh, it's Enterprise Restoration on on Facebook there's a picture of Herman Zimmerman sitting in our captain's chair and that was like you know a groundbreaking moment for me and I think everybody else 
who did this. Um, Herman Zimmerman, as you may know, uh, created, he was the set designer of pretty much everything uh, from TNG, all the movies, Voyager, uh, everything, every set, he and a guy named Richard James. And when he sat in our captain's chair, he said that our chair looked more like, uh, it looked better than it did on the set. He said the upholstery was better. And we were just blown away by that. Wow, um, that's that's quite a compliment. Yeah, so that's, you know, we've been lucky. We've had people, Rick Sternbach uh, will be probably coming to speak uh, on our panel on at Kamikaze. And, you know, these these guys worked on the show and they love the show and they love their work on it and it's their legacy and they love what we're doing with it. So uh, if they can help, they will right, right now. We just can't afford to pay anybody, but <laughs> well, the, the, the economics of the 24th century are somewhat different. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. What is money? What is money? Yes. Uh, well, one, one last question before I let Daniel have a go. Um, you know, with with the the bridge and the actual construction, but of course, you know, and I don't know percentage wise, you know, the part of your time it is now. But just going to all the conventions now, and just being you know on the road and to going to all the conventions, you know, whatever size they are. I mean, what's that been like? You know, did and you know, I don't, you've probably may have gone to some before you even hit the road for this one. But what was what's it been like with all that fan interaction and the the stars interaction and the talent and all that stuff? It's been sheer insanity and no time to to really take a breath. Uh, These last two months was the first time I've actually had a chance to uh, stop, reflect, and get any real work done because, yeah, it's it's a lot of work uh, going to the conventions, but we can't get any work done uh, actually getting the, you know, working with the uh, corporations and the the government grants and the personal grants and all this stuff, all the business just had to take a, a side route. But, you know, I've been saying last year it was like, hey, help us save the bridge, you know, and a whole lot of people came to our rescue on that. And we raised about 80 grand uh, through Kickstarter and Indiegogo. So that got us through this year. The rest of the money, uh, and there's to do this right, it's going to be probably another couple of hundred grand to because you, it's not just restoring the bridge. Where do you keep it after that? How do you store it? Where do you move it? Uh, where do you place it so people can come visit it? All that stuff. Uh, what building do you put it in? What about the insurance? What about the so upkeep? Blah, 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 blah. There's so many factors to this, and it can't just be, okay, here's the bridge. Yeah, boom. You know, there's got to be other stuff to this. And also, we have the original series bridge as well. We have about 40% of it. It was also built in the late 90s as a display bridge. And I've got all the uh, graphic panels that go all the way around it. I've got the the doors, the uh, some of the computer things on the walls, the red alert thing. The stones. I don't have the chairs of the rails, uh, but I've got blueprints for all that. So I would love to have the original Kirk Bridge as well as the TNG Bridge and build the corridors and the, all the other, as many of the rooms as we can afford to, to build, so it'll be a, a whole experience. Um, but again, that's, that's to, uh, those are our plans, and uh, if 
but yeah, I keep sidelining. The reason that I uh, had had to do this year uh, with the traveling around, there was no better way to show people, hey, we're not shysters. We're not. <laughs> we're not some. Frankie, I believe, is the term. Well, you know, the other thing, people with good intentions, Larry Nemechek told me this, people with good intentions say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then it all falls to, to crap uh, because they don't know what they're doing or somebody, whatever. Some piece of that puzzle, some spoke of that, you know, wheel falls apart and everything falls apart. Coming from a Hollywood background, uh, as I did, I knew what not to do. And I just surrounded myself with people who did know what they were doing. So this year was insanity, traveling around like absolute mad people. Next year, we'll do a far less conventions. We did 17 conventions this year. Wow. I mean, that's, I don't think I've ever been to that many in my life, <laughs> ever, anywhere. Um, and so. It's oh, a lot of not sleeping and bad food. Yeah, but the thing is, it wasn't just, hey, we're showing up. We brought our bridge with us. We brought our chairs and computers with us. So that's a lot of work, uh, having to pe- have people come and sit and take the photos and all, and, you know, to have the T-shirts and all that. So this next year, we'll probably be doing five, six conventions at the most, all the biggies, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, WonderCon, the, certainly the Star Trek convention in Vegas, um, you know, I'd love to go to Alberta, Canada. Uh, I was invited there to bring the bridge and also somewhere in New York so we can hit, you know, like Boston or some places we haven't been to before. But the rest of our time has to be spent getting the finances to build our permanent museum or this isn't going to happen. You know, we, we can only do so much uh, because obviously we have no money. So we have to, well, 100, gosh, 60 hours of my time a week was given on this this year and I darn near went, went broke but I knew that with the momentum I had to do it or it wouldn't get done and you have a magical thing like this has happened and you throw it away it doesn't happen again so I knew you know I, I this was my one big chance to do this and we all thank you for it that's that's we're, we're very excited with where the bridge is going Daniel, let's have let's have you take the con for a moment. Sure, sure. I mean, I guess I guess I really only have one question and and forgive me if I'm a bit bold here if I sound like I'm questioning your motives, but I this is such a surreal experience. I have to think think of it as how I would deal with the situation. So like say this succeeds beyond your wildest dreams and you get the whole thing set and complete how do you think the response is going to be how are your backers and all of the fans going to deal with it when you refuse to leave <laughs> yeah, yeah. because i wouldn't i would just be on the bridge i would be sitting in the cap that's where i would live i would just you know i would move in there so i don't know how how would you be able i don't how can you pull yourself away <laughs> the from captain's that? caught <laughs> i'll tell you um i'm not that selfish of a baby, to be honest. Um, if I were, ouch. If I were, <laughs> Daniel. Is. No, I'll tell you. No, no. But you're, I know <laughs> what you're saying. Look, I know what you're saying, and I believe me. I will come and visit often. <laughs> I will have movie nights. I will have, but it won't just be me. It won't just be me. I've said, hee hee hee. I'm the captain of my own party. You know, that's that's <laughs> really well. Um, you know, that's really, 
Like, it's selfish baby time. I've talked to some people who were, yeah, but what are you going to do for me? This is what I have. Of a, the, we're all giving our time. I gave the bridge. I've given, you know, a whole lot of people have given time and effort and just in, innumerable hours to to do this thing because they believed in this project. And those are the types of people I relate to, the ones who want to to own their little piece of history and not let anybody see it and all that kind of stuff, that's really kind of disgusting to me. And that's not what any of us are about. I can tell you that. There were a few here and there that um, were that way, and we just had to weed them out because they were no good to us. Because, number one, we have no money. Uh, Number two, uh, that's not... It's a philosophy. It really is. And... I'll tell you something, too. I've heard from a lot of fans who own very specific things who are either loaning them to us or giving them to us once we have our permanent location. And that, you know, blows my mind. Um, And I I think, and those are original pieces of this. You know, ours was built by Paramount, but it wasn't screen used. Some of these people have original screen used, uh, gosh, phasers and tricorders and costumes and all this. Yeah, that that really is amazing to me. Um, so yeah, I, I I I would say that the toughest thing would be once I have to step down eventually as uh, CEO of this thing. But I'm not a museum guy. That's not what I do. So once I get it up and running, I'll always be the founder. Always. Uh, nobody. I, I'm. You know. I'll take that credit. I'm the one who put this together. Uh, and it was my idea, along with other people inputting stuff. But other than that, this bridge and everything that's in it is going to be for everybody. And that's the whole reason. That That's where my heart's at. That's why Rod and I get along. That's why a lot of these people get along, that this is a community project. Well, you're definitely the uh, utopia planitia of, uh, of, of Trekdom. And, and I... <laughs> well, it's one man's junk is another but... one's treasure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I think the again, this is something you've heard probably a million times, and I know it probably sounds a little hokey, but but I can only imagine. I mean, you know, having had my own little experience to use a phrasing, um, is is that I mean, it's a immersive experience. You know, once you put that, I can only imagine once you put that ceiling on, and you're on that bridge. I mean, you cranking that engine hum. Yeah, I mean, you, you and you feel it. I mean, it really does transport you, and not just necessarily to the sort of fictional world of Star Trek: The Next Generation, though that too, obviously, but just to, and again, no, it sounds hokey, to like new possibilities into the future, and to to all you know these things. And as you talked about giving it, you know, sort of the the ability for 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 younger folks to to look at it, you know, with the, the scientific possibilities of the future. Um, you know, and of course, that's why we love Star Trek, and that's why the three of us do a TNG podcast. Is that we enjoy right. that vision, and and so that's, I mean, as, as you said, that's sort of the unique part. Not only is this huge geek fandom Star Trek, yay, but it's also you know opening people's minds who may not even have ever seen TNG before. Yeah, no, that's the whole point. You put a classroom of kids who've never even maybe even heard of Star Trek, right? You put them on the bridge of the Enterprise to work those computers. It doesn't matter. They're flying a spaceship, you know. That that's what counts. That's what will knock them out. That's what they will take with them for the rest of their lives, and can take them into God knows what direction. Uh, forget even about science or technology or all that. Filmmaking, writing, acting, or even just uh, 
thinking in terms of working with others uh, or just anything. There's so many possibilities to this, not just the science end of things or mathematical end. I'm, I'm horrible at math. I, I, I don't think I ever did pass math, actually. Uh, but I, I remember at five years old being in some little hokey carnival spaceship ride. I took that with me for the rest of my life. And you put them in something like this? My God, you know? Uh, it will blow people's minds putting them on an adventure like that. Uh, and then, they'll, of course, they'll all become huge Trekkies after that as well. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's... Where's the, where's, the, where's the lens flare on this bridge? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, I do have one more question for you, though, and, and forgive me if this has already been addressed somewhere or not, but I don't know. Have you ever... And not to add to the incredible amount of work that, like you say, you have, <laughs> but have you ever considered or has there ever been talk of things like... I, and I don't know, like I said, you might already have it, like the, the turbo lifts or maybe even the ready room kind of off to the side of the bridge or no? We're not only doing a ready room and a turbo lift, we're also uh, going to include something that was never seen on the show. Do you know what that is? The bathroom? The head, yeah. The bathroom. The head. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, Rick Sternbach and Herman Zimmerman actually did create a bathroom design for the bridge directly like if you're standing if the screen view screens to the in front of you just to the right of you uh on the left is a is the head so yeah that's that's going to be on our bridge if you hit the work- battle bridge emergency turbo lift you've gone too far <laughs> yeah, right. is it does this mean you're going to have an actual uh fish in the in the red room, this is kind of this is kind of important to our uh, our podcast yes. listeners. But Livingston is a big part of our culture here, so I'm just curious. Yeah, if you know, be a real fish. Uh, I always I, I'd heard that um, Sir Pat always said that uh, he always found it odd that they would keep an animal in there. Um, I don't. I, I'd love to, but I, I don't know uh, how expensive it would be to keep that up, uh, or just have a fake one that looks very realistic. I. But every little detail. Nice like, rear projection, like Disneyland has, where <laughs> it it feels like it's something in there. A talking fish and a talking cat, just like Data always wanted. Yeah, it's like they uh, they had that little talking fish in the kids' computer in Rascals. So in Rascals, could, yeah, they could just come up and you know be a digital one and answer I'm questions. Sorry, I can't do that. Would you like to see a picture of the Enterprise? <laughs> Oh, that I forgot about that episode. Okay, hey, yeah, all right, yeah. But you know, the, the big joke about Spot, uh, how Brent hated that cat so much, and that they said, "Oh, did, did you know this story?" It was, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Brandon and uh, 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 Ronald E. Moore wrote this fake scene where they put this collar on Spot, and Spot started to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, the whole episode will be you and Spot, you know, talking to <laughs> and, and Brent went through the scene, and he was like, guys, look. <laughs> now, I'm sure he, Brent was probably mad that he wasn't also playing the cat. That was probably, I, you know. Yes, yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, no, I... Uh, you know, but to, to answer your question about uh, that, the um, we want a turbo lift, we want the uh, transporter room, and we want the original series bridge to go off of uh, when you go to the uh, the holodeck. Uh, 
you'd say uh, no bloody uh, A B C A B C or D. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, music to our ears. Yes. And then you'd walk into the original series bridge. That that would be perfect. You should make it where they have to say that line. Or the doors <laughs> I know, I'd love that. I'd love that. Uh, <laughs> the the adults can bring in out outside green beverages. Well, speaking about Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh, as we've been talking a lot about what happens on deck one, is there a favorite episode you happen to have of this season? Where where does Star Trek rank in your viewing of the five series? Uh, of TNG or just all um, uh, all series? I'd say favorite episode of TNG. Um, There's only 178 to choose from. I mean, it yeah, exactly. And, and motion pictures. Well, I mean, the the obvious ones are great episodes. Um, you know, uh, also, fr- I was talking... You know who I met the other day? Tracy Torme. He was one of the original writers of, uh, of TNG uh, with David Gerald and several others uh, who were there from, like, the, the beginning. And Tracy wrote some amazing episodes, and he wrote the very first holodeck episode, that was uh, that really spelled out the rules of the holodeck, the the uh, the long goodbye or the big kiss. I forget, I remember something like that. Um, and he also did that wonderful conspiracy episode with the 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 body snatchers, aliens living inside the the Federation. Uh, at the, do you remember that? It was first season. Uh, I it think was that was brilliant. the episode that introduced me to TNG and permanently scarred many of my uh, nightmares. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I asked him to be on our board of directors, so that's we're going to find out. We'll find that out very soon. Um, but as far as uh, my favorite episodes, uh, certainly um, the the one that oh shoot, the name's totally escaping. Second season, uh, Measure Man, brilliant. Uh, Yesterday's Enterprise. I mean, all the ob- the obvious ones. Uh, I really love the the Q one that was about sixth season, and it's uh, the one where Picard goes back in his past. Tapestry. Uh, oh, uh, tapestry. Oh. Yeah, tapestry, and uh, you know, but this, I I'm not going to be naming any ones that people <laughs> haven't said before because I mean the the ones that really get to people are the most brilliant one sitting on the edge of forever uh tn uh, the original series i mean that's nothing's going to get better than that um so yeah you know it's uh, i i'm not going to be pulling any magical rabbit out of that hat uh you're not going to be but, one of those people who 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 fights to the death for justice come on now Sex, <laughs> sexy sexy planet was one, what was the first season uh tng one that had the uh the uh, the racial stereotypes of the black guys. Oh, code of honor. Code of honor. There will be no vaccine met... and no Lieutenant Yaw. Lieutenant Yaw. When I met uh, Denise Crosby, um, I, I, <laughs> she, she brought that episode up a few times, and I just it kept cracking me up because, <laughs> and I said, yeah, but you know, that said, the music to that episode was great. That was um, Fred Steiner. Who was it? Was Max Steiner or Fred, Fred Steiner? I think it was, who wrote music for the original series. And if you listen to the music alone for that episode, it's a great soundtrack. And it's the only TNG soundtrack that actually sounds like the original series, with you know big 
you know, orchestrations and action sequences and all that. Unfortunately, it's that episode. Was <laughs> well, the his draw of the hat? <laughs> should, should have had him on last week. Uh, I was going to say Ron Jones is another. Uh, I knew Ron before all this happened, and he is such a brilliant composer. He's the guy who did Best of Both Worlds, and which of course is another genius two-part episode. Um, but now he writes for Family Guy and all this stuff. But uh, he's. Uh, he was one of the first people to tell me, he said, look, you know, uh, this, this is something really special that you're involved with. You know, this is really something special you're doing and all that. And, um, yeah. So I just thought I'd bring that up cause he, uh, he's a big hero of mine as a composer and just, you know, as a friend too. Well, you'll be honored to know that, that we, uh, we end our podcast with the, uh, to be continued music from, uh, Best of Both ah, yeah, that's great. I mean, how else could you really end it? There's, there's no. Oh, it's other brilliant! Choice. It's a great sting, you know. Pow, pow, right there. <laughs> now I know it's kind of floating because of the the, the nature of the restoration, but uh, ever since the Kickstarter, I remember that everyone's been very excited about this much uh, much expected kind of gala event launch of the bridge that um your your intro video describes it so well where it's basically the the who's who of Star Trek and the you know pretty much every fanboy's dream to to see these people back on right. the bridge is yeah i'm assuming this is just really exciting trying to put something like this together yeah i wouldn't be the one putting that together uh i couldn't put it together there's no way i'd have the i the connections or the savvy um, but yeah, that's going to happen. It's just going to happen several months after we had anticipated just because, uh, gosh, life got in the way. I <laughs> know. Uh, here's the thing. I thought it was just going to be, okay, the bridge is done and that's it. And that's not the way all this happened. Um, what I was going to tell you, part of the secret that I can't tell you divulge everything about, um, this has become a much, much bigger project than not just the bridge, but even just Star Trek. Um, there's a need that I have experienced from all the museums that I talked to, including the NASA Museum in Houston and Discovery Center in Santa Ana and all these big major museums, uh, San Diego Air Space Museum. Uh, they want exhibits that merge science fiction with science fact and not just that but to the hollywood community uh to celebrate science fiction in general and what we're proposing is going to be called the hollywood sci-fi museum and it will be not just star trek but hopefully star wars definitely battlestar galactica definitely doctor who um and uh just anything else we can um get the rights to do uh, as well as a whole lot of Star Trek. Um, so that, that's what, that's what we're working on. We just did the proposal and it's, uh, to, to my mind, crazy budget. Uh, but to do this right, it's the only way that it can work. And I'll tell you, when I handed over this to me, embarrassingly, you know, high budget on to do this, I handed it over to these people who do this all the time, and they say, yeah, that's, that's doable. Yeah, that's, I was like, God, really? <laughs> <laughs> give, give it back. I want to add some stuff. 
<laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's what that's what. Uh, and you mentioned the the big grand gala. I thought that that would be like it. You know, I thought that would be okay, and then we'll do that, and we'll open the thing, and that'll be it. Um, what this is goes so the scope is so huge, and I'm not afraid of it. It's just I had would never in a bazillion years had perceived that this would happen out of this bridge. And, you know, it's, but it has, and it is. And there's some unbelievably, you know, big, famous, rich people who believe in what we're doing. And uh, I just kind of just nod a lot and just give them what they want. You know, uh, if, you know, for specifics in the proposal, a budget, the so-and-so, the, the odds against it, the what type of land, the, all this stuff I don't know anything about. But I'm, a, I'm surrounded by people who do know about that stuff. So we're going to have that thing sometime in 2014. And if this is done the way that we all think this is going to be done, it'll be even bigger than just the bridge. Um, and it, it will be a, a gala to, to end all sci-fi galas as far as I can can see uh, other than possibly what uh, Disney has in store for Star Wars. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It'll certainly be, I think, the biggest for Star Trek. I think. Yeah, and if you actually have Guinan serve or Whoopi Goldberg serving drinks, I will. I don't know. She's a lovely person. I met her once years ago. The problem is she doesn't fly. She has apparently a phobia for flying, and so. Getting her around is tough because she does it by car or train or boat. I don't know. Um, Especially with that hat. That hat does not travel. <laughs> but no, she's. I, that's why she doesn't go to conventions or travel or any jazz like that. But I can say that having met her, uh, she is a very, very sincere person. Well, I mean, it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm known on Earl Grey for making very many bad puns, but I'm going to go for the one anyway. It sounds like the bridge has really turned into a metaphorical bridge um, to yeah. different, yeah, 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 to different opportunities. I got all the rolling eyes here. Um, to different opportunities. I mean, and, and so, I mean, I think that's that's definitely awesome. I, I'm just rolling with the punches. I Like I said, uh, some, some person calls me and says, uh, hey, this person uh, at this company has this much amount of money that they want to donate to your thing. They need this, this, and this. And so I call the team of people I know who have given their time, who are experts in those fields like budget or analysis or all that stuff, you know, um, or compiling the synopsis for the so-and-so, the proposal and the, the photos and the CG were all this jazz. And I just call those people. They get it to me. We hand it over to the money people. And, uh, you know, that's, that's all I can do. And people will either say yes or no, but, uh, they wouldn't, you know, these companies came to me. I, I haven't even made phone calls yet. You know, it's, uh, we only had this proposal since Thursday. There's a lovely person at Universal who made it up for us and made it look gorgeous and had a big uh, thing of the, the Enterprise D, huge, like uh, 60-, 70-foot Enterprise D on the ceiling of the museum, and there's three stories. And the uh, the top uh, story, the, the third floor is a glass floor, so that you can get up to the third floor, and actually below you is the top of the Enterprise D. 
I will tell you that. And I, when I saw that, I, I just, I was drooling on the paper. <laughs> uh, I, there's, it just, it blew my mind. Um, but there's so many opportunities like that that are possible. And uh, there are enough really rich geeks out there who would like to make this happen. Because let's face it, if it hadn't been for Star Trek TNG, there would be no touchpad computers. A point we are all behind. Yeah. Which we're going to have on our bridge. That's the whole purpose for doing this, to, to bring, to make a... Uh, you know, bring bring the twenty uh, fourth century into this century because it's available now. And uh, gosh, it's just it's such an exciting. This next year is going to be ex- so exciting. So uh, you know, it's uh, if if I can survive it and with everybody else, uh, yeah, I think this could really honestly uh, change the face of museums as we know it because there's nothing like this anywhere in the world. Well, we've had a wonderful tour around the bridge as we've been talking and we've found our way back to the transporter room. No! So the, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, take me back to Crusher. I, I'm feeling a little dizzy. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's head over to, uh, doctor, to medical. Doctor, not Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. What we, about yeah. we knew no Pulaski? <laughs> no, okay. No, I, I liked her. She was funny. She would call you Houston. She may she may mispronounce your name, but I think she would treat you all right. No, I, I thought she was funny. I know she's pretty good at erasing <laughs> memories. But no, I thank you, thank you for having me on your show. No, well, thank you very much. Well, it's been fun talking about the new Starship Bridge restoration today, but this is just one of the Trek topics that we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, the Orb. Time travel and alternate realities. And then you have everybody else on the Defiant that we, you know, obviously don't know very well, but they all have somebody that's going to be affected. And then you think, too, oh, goodness, the whole entire Dominion War would have been affected if they hadn't gone back. Earl Grey. Episodes we love to defend. In the observation lounge, and he accidentally calls them number one, and then they look at each other like, is he going to figure it out? I'm thinking, what do the Ferengi know? They don't know anything. <laughs> They're not like, wait, wait, let me look that up. Wait, that means something that Captain Picard calls his first. No, they don't know that. The ready room. Relics. In the day, I, I asked Ron about it, and he said, we just screwed up. I screwed up. Producers screwed up. Mike and Rick. And and uh, it wouldn't be Andre then. It would have been uh, it would have been Narain as the science advisor. It's like nobody caught it. To the journey. Five episode marathon. Yeah, with Aisha Tyler and Jerry Ryan. She talked about how when she signed up and actually signed the contract to become Seven of Nine, she'd never seen the show before. But she watched an episode of Star Trek Voyager as she went home that night and was aired. But apparently, it was like the worst episode ever she literally cried that night because she's like what on earth did i do commentary trek stars ronald d more recap so you're saying that you wish star trek was bsg no what i say for the record that you wish star trek had never existed <laughs> and that battlestar galactica was was uh, the, the thing instead warp five enterprise season one blu-rays Towards the end of that particular documentary, Brandon expresses that he had been 
also feeling quite dejected and burnt out at the end of the first season, which makes me wonder, yeah, you know, did he did he really have the energy? Did, did Was it kind of only just hanging in there? Trek News and Views. Halloween Tracks. Played the, um, the, the murdering crazy person who has psychic visions and uh, can communicate with the ghosts. It was kind of a similar character to the one on Voyager, right? No. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literary Treks. Demons of Air and Darkness. Well, what's what's interesting about it is is that you know, Kira, her gods haven't cast her out. You know, her people have, and it's yeah. a lot the same way of you know Luther and his ninety five theses and being kicked out of the Catholic Church and all of that happening. Because what Kira has brought to her people is is kind of a reformation. And introducing our TOS show, Standard Orbit. James Tiberius Kirk. No, Star Trek Four. I mean, aside from the bookend stuff, I don't really know how much Kirk grows there. It's it's kind of a standalone story in a lot of he, ways. He learns about whales and how it's bad to hunt any animal to extinction, <laughs> which I guess is an, an important lesson to uh, learn. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all the links. If you'd like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's episode, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From that form, choose Send a Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page on trek.fm to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. The conversation is always going on with our podcast crew and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. And finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Toba Ushi. Don't forget to support our sponsor for this show, Zoe, the world's first personal voice companion. You can find more about this Star Trek combat-like device and support their Kickstarter campaign by visiting zoe.me slash trekfm. That's x-o-w-i dot m-e slash trekfm. Remember to include the trekfm portion of the URL when you visit so Zoe knows you heard about it here on trekfm. Also, help us continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints, featuring original illustration by Tobuushi. You'll find these at trekfm slash donate and your support helps us pay for the cost of production hosting bandwidth all these things that are needed to bring the show to you each week now beyond the trek fm communications channels daniel where can you be found on the internet you can find me on twitter it's probably the best way uh username one up dan that is the number one not the word where i'm often tweeting about nerdy things such as oh star trek star wars uh or anything like that so you can find me there and Philip, how can people contact you? Well, when I have my conversations locked off from my privacy-only setting, you can find me on Twitter, and my handle is NC Public Servant, and NC like North Carolina. And then you can also read some of my TNG-inspired articles on the Trek.fm site. If you'd like to contact me, you can reach me at Twitter at Dr. Sci-Fi, that's D-R-S-C-I-F-I, or visit my website, which is DrSciFi.com, home of the Dr. Sci-Fi Show, my podcast covering sci-fi, space exploration, and just ranting about the genre. 
Also, our friend Houston can be found at newstarship.com. Well, I'm going to go sit down in the captain's chair and dream of sitting in that D-bridge soon. Live long and prosper. Engage. Make it so. Fire. Fire.